0: Good morning, disciples. We're so excited to be with you, at least to be with you virtually. It's better than not being with you at all. And so this morning, we're just so excited that we can come together and sing songs and be encouraged in our hearts, in our minds. We wanted to continue in our three-part series of Seven Rhythms of Highly Effective Disciples. What do I mean by highly effective disciples? I'm talking about well-formed, faithful, committed disciples. That's what I mean by being highly effective disciples. The idea is not so much on what we can do while we're here on earth, but how do we continue to mature in our faith? How do we continue to be disciples that reflect the glory and honor of God. And what we want to do in the next uh, couple of weeks is to continue so that we can be encouraged in our souls. We can get some direction and ultimately with the Spirit's leading to help us to understand truly how we can become well-formed, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We talked last week about a couple of things that are, are very important about following God. We talked about the idea of having a prayer life, prayer life that speaks about the language of humility. That, as I quoted Andrew Murray in saying, that that's when we pray to God. And it's not just praying, of course, when we are in a desperate situation, but to have a relationship and a dynamic where we are actually devoting time in prayer to God. We talked about the idea of, of course, embracing the word of God, reading the word of God, having eating from the word of God. And uh, as a matter of fact, this idea is found in when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and he said, "Give us each day our daily bread." Once again, talking about the idea of sustenance from God, even to happen on a daily basis. Of course, this is not just a New Testament phenomenon. This idea was established even when uh, the Israelites had escaped Egypt and were living in the desert for forty years, and for forty years, manna fell from heaven, and God entrenched in these followers of his the need for them to rely on him, the need to feed from him, the need to make sure that their sustenance was indeed from their great God. And so, what we want to establish here, how do we feed from God, make sure that we are well-formed, faithful, committed followers of Christ? Ultimately, we all want and long to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the idea of following Christ is not just for a short-term time, but rather to see yourself down the road 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road as we are living out lives as well-formed, faithful followers of Christ. And so today we want to examine three more things that are going to be helpful. Of course, the idea here is not to understand
1: this as being rules and have it become this idea that It becomes legalistic. But what are some practices? What are some things that we can do in an active sense
0: that helps us to become well-formed disciples? Prayerfully, we have established in a very clear way our daily sustenance that we need from God through prayer, and the reading of his word. Another one of these important rhythm that we see and can glean from the scriptures is this idea of having uplifting relationships. Of course, one of the themes that we talked about is this idea is that Jesus makes the claim and he says,
1: come to me all you who are weary and burdened. Learn from me and you will find
0: rest for your souls. That partially tells me that maybe if we haven't yet found rest for our souls, maybe we haven't come too close to Jesus as we need to. I put before you that even
1: Jesus needed earthly relationships. I want you to think about that for a second. The one who created this world and everything in it realized that the dynamic that he had
0: made for himself here on earth was to pay for us a way, a rhythm to help us to understand how do we become well-formed, faithful, mature disciples. In Luke chapter nine in verse 18. And so what we're going to do is go glean from Jesus here for a moment and to realize if the Lord of glory needed earthly relationships, uplifting earthly relationships, how much more so us who are so weak and so far short of where we need to be. This is what Jesus it says about Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and verse 18 it says this. Once when Jesus was praying in private And his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Think about that for a second. I love the way the evangelist Luke
1: describes this scenario. Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him that intimate moment with his father. And yet, the disciples were with him. There are many other moments where there were times of intimacy with the father. And yet, there were disciples that were with Jesus. As a matter of fact,
0: the, the famed, Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus went and he was transfigured and he had Peter, James, and John. Incredible moment. Incredible moment of exposure. Incredible moment of revelation, if you would. And yet, who was there enjoying this great moment of intimacy? It was his friends that he had formed
1: a relationship with here on earth. You know, I've yet to see a well-formed disciple who have a lone ranger
0: mentality towards their relationship with God. Of course, there are times where we need to have solitude with God. Of course, uh, you know it has been said that solitude with God is not being by ourselves. We're never alone when we are in solitude with God. But the idea here is to have relationships in our lives
1: that really lift us to a place where we would, by ourselves, not ordinarily go. Well-formed disciples have these relationships.
0: You know, even where I'm preaching to you from in San Antonio, Melanie and I are here because we want to be with some friends who lift us up, like Dave and Beth Bachter. Some people that we uh, were with and spent some time with. Yes, we ministered to the church there in in Dallas, but being with Mark and Connie Mancini,
1: people who have been in our lives for decades, that these relationships that lift us up, that goes beyond what game are we watching on TV, That goes beyond just merely working out together, but relationships and moments of intimacy where we share our lives, and we share our dreams, and we share our pain. You know, Jesus, amazingly, in a moment of pain, actually had disciples with him. The purpose for which he came was now being fulfilled in Matthew chapter 26. Of course, when he was about to go to the cross. And he knew the excruciating pain, emotional, mental, physical, even spiritual pain that he was about to experience. And this is how Matthew describes this remarkable moment. It says in verse 36 and verse
0: 37, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began
1: to be sorrowful and troubled. In moments of sorrow, in moments of being troubled, Luke tells us that Jesus was so stressed out that he had sweats of blood. In this most remarkable moment, where Jesus even asked the father is there another way Yes I'm surrendered to do your will but is there another way And of course Jesus says no you this is the way And in this moment of tremendous Overwhelming of being in so much discomfort at every level. It was important
0: for Jesus to have his relationships and his close relationships with him. You know, it's um, it's one of the great crimes that has occurred over the last few years. Is the breakdown in relationships that COVID
1: has allowed us to have? To have rhythmic relationships. You know, it's, it, it's remarkable. We talked about this um, a little bit that
0: an 84 year old study tells us people who are happier are people who have relationships and social relationships. Duh.
1: The scripture talks about this and is woven through this idea of having uplifting relationships.
0: I mean, I've got to argue, again, if Jesus
1: needed this, how much more so do we need it? You know, a lot of us live in cities where it's, Remarkably
0: populated, yes, yet some of these most populated
1: cities are inhabited with remarkably lonely people. And yet the rhythm of even Jesus' life here on earth was one
0: that was marinated with in-depth relationship with people, when he was praying, and even moments when he
1: was overwhelmed. Who do you share your life with? Are there people in your life that you can, in a way, just bear your soul? No, I want to encourage you in a rhythmic manner. Maybe every...
0: Two weeks at least. You have people, you know, maybe if you're a couple, you have another couple, you have some people involved in your life where you can
1: actually just sit down and talk and share our lives and share our burdens and share our joy. Maybe for some of us, that might mean once a month, but to simply
0: Leave this up to chance. But to simply not have this in your rhythm, in your habit of not having these kinds of relationships in your life, you are leaving it to chance. And what I just want to share with you, what does it look like? Well, well well-formed, mature followers of Christ. What does it look like? Certainly part of that dynamic is having uplifting relationships in your life with intention,
1: not by happenstance,
0: but with intention.
1: You know, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. So many people in
0: life do not realize the value of this, oftentimes before it's very late. And instead of having that rhythmic time where we can share our lives and share what's going on, Only when we are in ICUs,
1: then we grasp for relationships. That's another rhythm. The fourth one that I think is really important
0: is to be firmly embedded in a community of faith.
1: You know, one of Canada's and the United States, North America's, famous pastime is
0: church hopping. Now I'm not saying we should settle into a place where our faith is being hurt or and it's not being nurtured. I don't think we need to settle for that. But on the on the the other hand, there's a favorite pastime where it's simply jumping from one faith community to another. I want to encourage you to find a faith community And embed yourself in it. As a matter of fact, this is the way the Bible describes and paints for us a picture of what these relationships look like. I love the phraseology of this. I love the the, the way that this is talked about in the book of Romans, chapter 12, in verses 4 and 5. This is what it says. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that. You know, one of the ways that I talk about my relationship with Melanie is that I say I belong to her. And she belongs to me, that we belong to each other. To me, there's an intimacy, there is a familiarity, there is a, 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 a way that that's phrased that's more than just membership in a church. The Melanie, when I say that, she, that I belong to
1: her, that's more than just an acquaintance. That's more than just a good friend but there's an intimacy of belonging to one another. To to become a well-formed, faithful disciple of Jesus, part of that includes being embedded
0: into a faith community that talks about more
1: than just membership like in a tennis club or in a golf club. You know, I know b- people who
0: are members of golf clubs or tennis clubs or different kinds of and you know what they go when they want to. They're not necessarily embedded in it. But that's the that's the word picture that I want to paint for us is this idea of being embedded into a faith community, a sense of belonging there, a sense of this is where. I'm at. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I get a lot of mental energy, emotional energy into the faith community.
1: You know, in in our culture, a lot of times, a lot of us grow
0: up into a church where simply we just attend. We're
1: attendees. I don't get that. Mindset here. I get a body where we belong
0: to each other, where we're where we're actually embedded. As a matter of fact, that in conjunction with Hebrews chapter ten helps us to
1: understand even a, a more complete picture of what the, this idea, what this rhythm looks like. You know, the book of Hebrews
0: was written to people who were struggling in their faith, and they were wondering, hey, this this followership of Christ, is it worth it? Their life was being persecuted. It was difficult to hold on to be a follower of Christ. They were being tested severely. And this is what the writer of the book of Hebrews says in encouraging them. These are the words that he issued to them in that moment in their life. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the faith, to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you
1: see the day approaching. I love the verbiage here. Let's not swerve. Let's hold on to the hope we profess. And one of the ways that we do this is to encourage one another, to spur one another. And, and this is what it says, let us consider. That tells me that
0: this is not just by accident, but there is this
1: idea of this rhythm of our life that is done with intentionality. And the idea says, when we come together, first of all, let's not give up meeting together
0: That's the idea of being embedded into this community. And when we come, come with a spirit of consideration. Not just being there. That, to me, closes the picture, at least paints a fuller picture of what does it mean when it says
1: to be embedded? What does it mean to belong to one another? You know, I know when I visit my family...
0: One of the things that I think about when I go is like, is there, is there someone's birthday? What can I bring to encourage them? But, but, but there's a thought beforehand.
1: You simply just don't show up. There is a commitment and an involvement with one another
0: of encouragement, of showing up. It's hard to encourage someone if you're not there. As a matter of fact, it's probably more discouraging than it is encouraging. I think one of the greatest attacks that we've had in this pandemic, not to mention the social, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual breakdown of intimate relationships. I think that's one of the biggest victories that has been had if we allow Satan to have to the point now where
1: This idea of just showing up and being there is an arduous task. But the rhythm that I have seen of well formed, faithful followers of Christ, this is part of their rhythm. I ask you. How is this being fulfilled in your life? Once again, this is not about rules. This is about encouragement. Into some rhythms that will help us to become well-formed disciples. And
0: lastly, in Mark chapter 10. We read about something I think that is remarkably important
1: in our life. After all, Jesus calls us to come to him and to learn from him. And this third aspect today, the fifth aspect overall, of rhythms of
0: well-formed disciples is what Jesus talks about the idea of being a servant above all. One of the things that was happening here is that the disciples were
1: fighting amongst themselves as to who was more important. Who's going to get a better seat? And Jesus heard about their quibbling. He heard about their
0: arguments. And so he tells a story That settles the argument, at least should have settled the argument. In Mark chapter 10, after they were arguing, Jesus almost says, okay, guys, let's come together. He called them together and said, basically, in essence, I've heard what you were talking about. I heard your arguments. And here's my response to the arguments that you were having. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve
1: and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if there's anybody in this world who had an enormous task to do, it was Jesus. And if there's anybody who had a life
0: to says, okay, guys, everybody help me. Serve me so that I can ultimately do the most arduous task ever given to someone. The task of dying for the sins of the world. Help me make sure that I accomplish this mission. I think everyone would say, done. How can we help you? After all, you're going to die for my sins, and I appreciate it. So I want to help you to end to, to
1: finish that task. And Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. Rather, I came to serve. Whoa. Can you imagine that this is not an occasional thing that we do in our life, but rather this is a rhythm that is found with regularity in our life. You see, serving is what you do. Being a servant is who you are. And Jesus says a r- to be able to be a servant
0: above all. You know, there are many concepts about this in the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, in, the, in Proverbs, it
1: says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Jesus talks about this idea of denying yourself. Or dying, and then you are going to be buried and you will blossom into more. In a world that is just filled with the concept of, hey, what can I get? Who's going to serve me? Maybe sometimes where there are people who boast about all the things that are done for them. How many servants they have. Jesus says, not if you want to be a follower of mine. The
0: idea of success is not how many people serve you, but rather how many people
1: you serve. This rhythm of being a servant. You know, I'm always challenged to be able to continually keep this before me. Because sometimes in my life, I think, hey, I am beyond that. I don't do those things anymore, whatever they are,
0: in helping people. For I have gone beyond that in my
1: life. And yet, can you imagine if Jesus did not have the spirit and the heart of serving, the rhythm of being a servant and serving in our communities, in our faith communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. It's hard, you know, and under that umbrella of serving As we learn from Jesus, this is what it says about him. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, is this idea of the
0: purpose for which Jesus came, one of the highest purposes. And this is what it says in verse 16 through 19. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day... And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. By the way, that harkened back to this idea of being embedded into a faith community. Can you imagine the Messiah himself
1: was his custom to go to the place of worship? Now, you got to remember that he was going to bring about a new kingdom. That looked
0: at least... That at least looked remarkably different than what was established in the institutionalized religion. And yet, he did not see himself as above that. But that's another lesson for another time. He went on, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim
1: the year of the lord's favor under this umbrella of serving one of the rhythm of well-formed disciples are those who serve the poor As Jesus was starting in his
0: ministry, he clearly proclaimed that one of his highest purposes
1: was to proclaim good news to the poor, to set freedom for the prisoners. You know, I'm always challenged with this. It's so easy to write a check and to institutionalize. Or servitude of the poor. That is remarkably easy. And I must confess there are times. That's the way I have done it. You know the Bible in the book of Isaiah makes it very clear. The measurement of a nation is how uh, they treat their poor. The attitude towards the poor. Or spirit. Not only corporately, but let's say this while individually. Well-formed, faithful disciples have a heart to serve the poor. Not only a heart, but actually serves the poor. But that is not above them. And so as we continue to glean from the scriptures this idea that not only that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is form
0: and get our sustenance from God by reading his word and praying to him. But that we have relationships that uplift us. That we are firmly embedded into a faith community. Even Jesus did that that we continually come towards Jesus and learn the
1: rhythms of his life to be well-formed, mature disciples. And to understand is to become a servant, not simply to serve. But it's who you are. And under the umbrella of that is our attitude, Towards the poor. And we pray. As we continue to develop
0: this idea. Of well-formed, faithful, mature, committed disciples. That we will come to Jesus. We will continually learn from him.
1: In humility. And sit at his feet. And to see how the Lord of glory was so effective. What rhythm, what habits, he, had, what discipline he had formed in his life. And that we will find rest for our souls. When we come and we learn humbly from him.
0: I pray that you guys have a great family day tomorrow. That it's a time where you can really embrace your family, tell them how much you love them, not only by spending time for them, but by, but by words of affirmation.
1: And then we can't wait to finish this series next week on the seven rhythms
0: of highly effective disciples or well-formed, faithful, committed mature disciples. God bless you as we continue
1: to strive to please him in all that we are and all that we do. Amen.